Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you have a story you'd like to share, please do so at adventure.church slash mystory. Also, if you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do that online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare to hear a word from God. We're so glad you're here today. Thanks for joining us. If you are new, my name is Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we are in a series called When in Rome that we've been in for the summer. And uh, today, I believe, is part five or four, one of them. I don't know where we're at, but somewhere around there. I also want to welcome all of you joining us online, wherever you're at. Thanks for tuning in today. Appreciate you joining us. Well, if we kind of recap the first few weeks of this, it really, I, we can bear, get it down to just three sentences. God, I can't. You can so go ahead, right? That's what we've been talking about. God, I can't do it, but thankfully uh, that you came to save me not only from death, but for life, and that your spirit is within me. And so, Lord, I, I yield to that spirit. I put you in the driver's seat of my life. And so, Lord, I can't. You can. We establish that, so we give you permission to lead. And that's kind of where we left off. And today we're going to kind of take a turn a little bit in a different direction. And so Paul, throughout the book of, of Romans, is, is kind of going all over the place. He has different thoughts in different places, and again, someone is, Paul's dictating this, and someone's writing it for him, and so I can only imagine myself if someone sat down and said, just start sharing your thoughts about the Lord. It would be all over the place, right? Uh, There's so many different things, different experiences that I've had, and that's kind of where Paul was at, and today we're going to be in Romans 5, and then jump into Romans 8 a little bit and and, kind of bounce back and forth, but I want to talk to you today about when you go through a storm. It's been said that you're either in a storm coming out of one or heading into one, right? That's life, right? Can we agree that that life has some troubles, that life has difficulties, things happen that we can't explain, that we we don't expect, and and there's issues that pop up and circumstances and and lost jobs and, and failed relationships and struggles and issues that we go through, and you can probably find yourself in certain situations where you begin to think like, I don't know if I can handle this. This is too much. This is, I, I, this is too much weight for me. I, I don't really understand this. I don't know if I can handle this. And today I just want to tell you, you're right. You can't handle it. You can't handle all that life is going to bring to you. And Paul begins to talk about today that, that there's a reason why, that God didn't design you to carry that weight and that we have to release those things to him. But as we just established through the first two weeks of this, you're right, you can handle it, but thankfully we serve a God who can. And we serve a God that we can trust if we put him in control. God, I can't. You can. So Lord, go ahead. I can't handle it. But God, you can. So Lord, take the lead. In Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, Paul says this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. And right there, I just want to go, What? What do you mean, Paul? Rejoice in trials? I don't know about you, but my first response when I'm going through a storm is not rejoicing. Anyone else? That's just not it. But he says you can. It doesn't say you will. He says, but we can rejoice in trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts 
with his love. Do I have any marathon runners in here, triathlon runners? I know there's like a triathlon here locally today. Uh, anyone? There's, did anyone raise their hand? Okay, oh, there's a couple. Okay, uh, so yeah, you're, you're the elite, okay? Uh, and, I, and I'm not one of you either. And those people who do that, right, they train for like marathons. And I always love it when people like, you know, like, hey, I'm going to do a marathon. My first thought is why, <laughs> you know? Why, why would you want to do that to yourself? Why would you want to, you know, have to do all that training and all of that? You know, it's a lot easier just to, you know, get in a car and ride 26 miles than, than run it on your feet. We've developed modern technology here that we've, we've moved past that stage where you have to run long distances and, and travel by foot. But, but the one thing about marathon runners is, right, is like you don't sign up for a marathon and then just show up the day of and expect to, to run 26 whatever point something miles, right? Like you don't just show up the day of and be like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try. I think I, think I can do this, right? There, there's training that goes in, right? You start small. I've seen friends that have, again, it's, uh, done this, and it's like you start with a couple miles, and, and there's, a, there's a regiment, there's a routine specifically designed so that you can develop endurance, so that you can start small, begin to train, so that when the big day comes, when the races come, when the thing that you're trying to accomplish is there, you're prepared and ready for it. You start small, you work your way up. That's what Paul's saying here. He says that trials do something for us. There's a purpose to them, and he starts out with endurance. He says they begin to to develop endurance in your life. And when you think about endurance, endurance is only developed through difficulty, right? Right? You don't, you don't gain endurance by, by taking it easy. You gotta start training. You gotta start going through something. You gotta kind of build up a pain tolerance so that you can endure different things in life. That's what happens in our life. I know in our church history, there's been <clears throat> little things that have happened where I just had to trust God and I had to put my faith in God and believe that God was going to show up and believe that God was going to send the resources and believe this and believe him for that. And there's things in my life that have happened where I just had to trust God in a small thing and God showed up. Then in life, months down the road, maybe even years down the road, another thing comes up and it's actually a little bit bigger of an issue. It's a bigger storm. It's a, it's a bigger challenge. But because I developed endurance in the smaller and developed my faith and developed my trust, I was able to trust God in a bigger issue because I went through the smaller one. Now, you guys following me today, right? So he says it develops endurance, and he says endurance leads to character. Another word for character here is integrity. That it leads to integrity, it leads to wholeness, it leads to being undivided, to being consistent. And you think about integrity as a math term, that everything is integral, that it's together. And Paul says that God's developing your endurance so your character, your faith, your trust in him will be undivided. It won't be. It will be whole. It will be consistent. God is doing something in the midst of your storm, endurance and character. And he says, and when you've developed that, when you've gone through some stuff, when you've survived some rough seas and you've you've navigated to the other side of that difficult situation, your endurance has developed, your character, your, your faith is consistent, it's firm, it's strong. And he says, and listen, that leads to more confidence. And confident, your confident hope, he said, your confident hope of salvation is that as you've navigated the small things and you work your way through the bigger things, he goes, you'll be confident when the big storm comes that your God will show up and save you. That he's your confident hope of salvation, he says, and he doesn't disappoint. He shows up. 
So God leads us through these difficult times, but Paul says we can rejoice in problems and pain and trials and storms. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about how you can do that how you can navigate it. If you're in rough seas today and and, and you're in a difficult situation, how can we navigate? How can our endurance grow and our character grow so that we can have hope? And the first thing you need to do is this, is you need to seek his perspective. When you're in a storm, you're in a trial, you gotta begin to seek God's perspective. One of the things I love about uh, modern technology and things is drones. Anybody got a drone here, right? I know uh, a guy in our church, Robert Husband, so some of you have drones. Those are cool things, right? I would never spend that much money because I would for sure wreck that thing somewhere, right? I've seen like videos, you can like YouTube videos of drone wrecks. It's pretty funny, you know, that people like get them going and immediately crash, you know, a thousand dollar piece of equipment. But the drones are so cool because they can rise above at our egg hunt. Like the first couple years we did our egg hunt, we just had video of things on the ground and we would show the people getting the eggs and then some one year uh robert brought a drone that we flew above the egg hunt and so it's hovering above the egg hunt you see hundreds of kids and thousands of eggs and when we say go you immediately see all these little kids that look like ants and they just demolish all of the eggs and within like 60 seconds a field that was covered with 20,000 eggs is completely empty of eggs It's a different perspective. It was like, wow, that was so cool to see from that perspective, a drone view. And in our storms, the problem is this, is when we go through difficult things, this is where it's at, right? The storm is in your face. It's clouding your view. It's clouding your perspective. And and the pain is real. And, and, And so we get stuck right here. and We can't see past our pain. We can't see past the, the storm and the waves that are crashing on us. And the first thing you need to do when you encounter a storm, when you begin to go through that, is you need to get a drone view of the problem. You need to seek God's perspective. You need to begin to go, God, how do you see this storm? God, how, from your vantage point, what does this look like? As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about just the magnitude the, 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 of, of, our, of our universe, of of space and as I've looked at things before and how big it is and how expansive this universe is. And I, yesterday I looked up and, and we have a picture of Earth, I think. Do we have that picture? Here we go. Is it coming? Yes, there it is. All right. So this, this see that little dot? That is Earth. This is a picture from the Curiosity rover on, on Mars. At this time when the picture was taken, this was a few years ago, Earth was 99 million miles away. All right, so you think about it like, wow, that's incredible. One, like we've been able to land a robot on Mars and it can take pictures and send them back to us and, and to think about that. But when you think about this, that's how small Earth looks from Mars. That's just the beginning of the universe. And that God is above all of that. Think about that. God is above that. And so when God sees your problem, can we just agree that he sees it from a different perspective this morning? That he knows the beginning from the end of your life? Hebrew says he's the author and the perfecter of your faith, that he's written your story from the before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Scripture says that he knew you, that he had a plan for you, and that the God who spoke this world into existence with his very words is above it all. He's above the storm. 
He has a different vantage point. He has a different view of what you're going through. And so when you begin to enter a storm, the first thing you need to go is go, God, give me your perspective. God, help me to see this from your viewpoint. Help me to trust in a God that is above it all. You see, as Paul is saying here, perspective then enables you to see the process that you're in. Paul says there's endurance that's happening. God's building something in you. There's a process that's taking place. So we see that, that the, the perspective allows us to see that, that God is a God of process. He's a God of order. When we look at creation from the very beginning, God could have just spoke everything into existence in one day. He was God. But he took six days because there was an order. There was a process. There was a system that God was working. And he, throughout scripture, we see that God is a God of process. And in our lives, it's not just this magical thing when we encounter problems or difficulties and and we say a prayer and God just, no, God is a God of process. God is working out his story through you. He's preparing you for something. And that's what we got to see, that there's a process that's preparing us for God's purpose. That's what we're in. So there's a pride. We got to get a perspective that we're in a process, that God is the God of process, that God's in control, that God is sovereign, that He's over all, and God is preparing me for something. That God is clear that He has a purpose for my life, and I can't arrive at my purpose without going through some preparation. I can't show up on the day of the marathon and just run and accomplish my purpose without developing the endurance and the character that I need. Are you guys following me today, right? I was really excited about this. You're not as excited as I was when God was downloading this to me. I said, man, this is, this is good for me. It's good for the season I'm in. I was watching this week, uh, ESPN is playing the top 25 games of last year's college football season, right? You're desperate. You're just desperate for some football. And so I, I, I saw that Ohio State was playing, and, and I, I watched it, and it was, I, I caught the very end. And um, it was last year's game when we were at Wisconsin and it went into overtime, and Ohio State won in overtime. It was a real hard-fought game, night game in, in Wisconsin. And they were interviewing J.T. Barrett at the end. And, and she was you know, interviewing him, and she just said, Hey, it seemed like you know, once you guys got, got into the fourth quarter, you actually began to find more of a rhythm. And then when you got into overtime, it was like the defense showed up, and the offense was like, man, it was like you guys had extra energy. She goes, man, where did you guys kind of find that? And he immediately, without thought, this was well into the fall, goes, well, it started back in August when we started two-a-days. He said, you see, the two-a-days then, you know, we worked hard all summer so that when we got to this place in time, we knew we would face some difficulties. We knew there'd be some fourth quarters where we would face some adversity, that we we did the preparation in, in the summer so that we'd be prepared for our purpose in the fall. And so it started back in the summer. And J.T. Barrett said the preparation paid off. That's why we were focused in the tough days, in the two-a-days of camp in the summer, in the difficulty. We had the perspective that we got to fight through this because there's a greater purpose that we have to accomplish in this season. And it's the same things in the seasons of life. You see, you can't see how the preparation in the summer is going to pay off for your purpose in the fall until you're in the fall. So you gotta get a different perspective of your problem. You gotta get a different perspective of the storm that you're in and realize that your faith is in a God who's developing, he's doing something in you. And Paul says that when you hope in him, when you're confident in him, he does not disappoint. 
He will save you. He will show up. He will fulfill his purpose through your life. But you can't skip the process. You see, we just want to run the race without doing all the prep. We just want to get the overtime win without the two-a-days in the summer. That's what we would all like, but it just doesn't work that way. You can't skip the process. So we trust God. We trust the process. We know that God's got a plan. We know that he will fulfill his purpose through our life. We seek his perspective. The second thing you need to do is then depend on his presence. Seek his perspective. Get a different view of what you're going through and then begin to depend on your promise. You see, when things are going well, our natural inclination is we kind of forget about God, don't we? Things are good. I don't really need God. Things are fine. I'm, you know, and we can kind of put God on the back burner. We can kind of forget about it. We can see, you know, oftentimes I see people throughout our church life where, where they're gone for a season and then a storm shows up and all of a sudden they're back, right? Because we can forget about God when things are good. But oftentimes, storm can be a reminder that we need to seek God. We have to depend on his promise. Let's look what Paul says in Romans 8, 26 through 28. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We've been talking about this through the series, that the Holy Spirit of God is within you. For example, when we, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, you ever been in a spot in a storm of life and you really don't even know what to say? God, I don't even know what to pray. He says, but the Holy Spirit prays with you for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words and the father who knows all hearts what the spirit is saying for the spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will and we know so he says this that even when you don't know what to pray that the Holy Spirit within you that man he's interceding on your behalf before God that he knows what to pray for you and it's in harmony it's in it's in alignment with God's will and then verse 28 is one that you've probably heard before and he says and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose that he's working all things together for your good this morning i felt like i needed to remind someone here that just because you're in a storm doesn't mean that God isn't with you Never doubt, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. That God will use a storm to make you, to put you in a position to depend on him and his presence like you never have before. And the storms that I've been through in life, I know that I've never been closer to God than when I'm going through a difficult time. Never have I been closer to God. Never have I heard more from God. Never has it put me in a place to seek God and and his presence to sustain me when I've been in a challenging storm. So when we seek the perspective, we begin to understand that God is a God of process, that God is working all things together for my good, that he will accomplish his purpose in my life. He will use this for his glory and for my good. I don't even know how, but he's a supernatural God. And so within that, when a storm comes, I don't press away from God. I don't push him away. I press in. I pull in. God, I need your presence. Lord, I need you. But the problem is, as I see it all too often, as people face a little adversity, and because they haven't developed the endurance, they haven't developed the, a character of faith, of trust in God, they, they throw in the towel on God. They quit just a little too early. They're halfway through the race and they throw in the towel because it got too hard and they think that the, the presence of a storm means that God has abandoned them, that God has forgotten them. And if they just would have pressed through, 
If they just would have hung in a little longer, they would have seen that God was at work, that God is close to them. Sometimes we have to realize that God is all we have, so we realize he's all we've ever needed. When God is all you have, you'll begin to realize he's all I ever needed. God, your presence. If you read the book of Psalms, David, throughout all the difficulties that he went through, would, would, would worship God, would, would, would tell God that even though I'm here, Lord, I worship you. Even though I, they, they, they're trying to kill me, I know you're still with me. And read Psalm 23 sometime and just begin to see when you're going through a storm how God shows up. The presence of God is always available this week. I had a rough day full of meetings and just some challenging stuff I was trying to navigate through. And I got to the gym in the afternoon and I put in my headphones and I I put on my worship playlist on Spotify and I I got my cardio going, right? Typically, I just kind of try to fight through my cardio. And that day, man, I I don't know what it was, but I needed the Lord. And so I, I began to worship. It was like God ordained the playlist for me, right? Like song one, song two, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and I'm literally on, the, I kid you not, I'm on the elliptical at the gym, eyes closed, just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm not like out, out loud singing because that would be really weird. I was weird enough where I was, but I couldn't like, I really couldn't help it. I needed it. I needed to sense that and God let me know, I'm with you, Kyle. My presence is available. I know there's some difficulties, but I'm with you. And even at the gym and cardio, when I acknowledged that he was there and I gave him the permission, God, I can't, you can't, go ahead. He showed up. His presence is available. I want you to know that today. Anytime, anywhere, God is with you. You're never alone. But we can often forget him in the good times. But when the storms come, depend on his presence. Lean hard into him. Don't push him away. Pull him in. Say, God, you're all I got. And you'll realize he's all you'll ever need. He is more than enough. We need God. Storms teach us to depend on his presence. So we seek perspective. We figure out what God's doing. We trust the process. We begin to depend on his presence and lean into him. And then we can experience his power. You see, storms put us in a position to see God's power in a way that we can't otherwise. They put you in a place where I I need God. I need to see his power. I need him to show up. I can't do this. God, you can, and it puts you in a position where you will see God do what only God can do. I've seen it many times over my life, and we have to recognize that, again, part of our purpose in life, right, the perspective, The process of preparation leads us to purpose. God's purpose through you is to show his glory. His glory through your story. That is your purpose. Whether you want to, whether you like it or not, once you come into Christ and you're in relationship with him, he saves you from death for life, and now your life is for his purpose. It's for his story. It's for his glory. And God wants to show off. He wants to show his power through you. And when you can do it on your own, God gets no credit. Well, you you could handle that. That was an easy goal. That was fine. But when you can't handle it, and you allow God to handle it, and he's faithful to his word, as Paul says, your hope in him does not lead to disappointment. He is your salvation. He will show up. He will save you. He says, and when you do that, God gets the glory 
through your story. That's why Paul says, I can rejoice in hardships. Why? Because I can then tap in to a supernatural power, a power that is not natural, that is beyond me, that is beyond human comprehension, and God can show up, and people will know that it's not my strength, but it's his strength, and God gets the glory through my story. That's what your life is for now. And God uses storms to show his glory. He desires to do it. I've seen it throughout my life. You've seen it. When people go through literally hell on earth, some of the most difficult tragedies and situations, and and you see them offer forgiveness to someone. I still remember the shooting in South Carolina at the church a a couple years ago, and the families being interviewed on TV, the people of faith, and they said, we forgive this person who murdered their family member, who murdered their mother, and the young man said, I forgive him. Well, they go, well, how could you do that? He goes, I can't do it. God is doing it. God, his spirit through me can offer love, can offer grace, can offer forgiveness. And you go, well, that's not natural. He goes, you're right, it's not. It's supernatural. It's God through me. I've been in situations when, and many of you know our story, but our daughter Riley, who's almost seven, when she was five weeks old, had to have open heart surgery, and that we had no idea she was going to need this, and we were just expecting a healthy baby, and it was, it was a challenging situation. Probably to this day, still one of the greatest storms that I've ever navigated and had to go through. But I can tell you this, that when I, when I got perspective and when I, when I sought God and when we prayed and, and we, we allowed other people to come around us in community to support us and, and literally people all over the world were praying, I could tangibly feel the presence of God and see the power of God in a way that I could not have if Riley just would have been perfectly fine. He showed me he was faithful. He was developing something in me. And I know later in life, I know that since then I faced difficult things and I was reminded that God was faithful then and he'll be faithful now. I'll get through this storm, not because I can do it, but God can do it through me. I tell people all the time when I see Riley's scar, it doesn't remind me of the pain of the storm. It reminds me of the faithfulness of God in the midst of that storm, that God was faithful, that he showed up, that he'll do it then, he'll do it now. You don't have to be strong this morning. Paul says, for when you are weak, God is at his best. His strength is available. Supernatural strength is available. And Paul says, so I can rejoice in the storm. I can praise God in the midst of one of the most difficult problems of my life. Why? Because I got the perspective that I need, that God is sovereign. He's over all. I don't focus on how big my problem is. I focus on how big my God is, and and he's over all of this. He spoke this world that I'm living in into existence with just his words. I trust in that God. I believe that, that when I draw near to him, that he'll draw near to me, that his presence will sustain me, that he'll give me the strength that I need, and God God desires to show his power through my life, that he wants to use my story for his glory. And when people go, I don't understand, I don't know how you do it, I can point to the one who did it. That's why you go through storms. That's why we face difficulty. The band's going to come. We're going to close out. And I want to encourage you. Paul encourages the church in Rome with these words, and I just want to read them to you today. It's chapter 8. And he starts in 18, and he says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. 
Get perspective that what you're going through now is, is, is it's really, it's not that big of a deal in compared to the glory that you will experience. And you see, most of our storms, most of our fears, if we fast forward our fears to a place, it's what could happen to me. I could die. I could, my child could. I don't, I don't know what would, could happen. And Paul says, look, you know what happens at the end. For when you leave this world, you enter the next one. And God's glory is there. His purpose is there. He'll reveal his glory. He goes on in verse 31. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? that we've talked about in the previous weeks, that God is for us, he's, he's living in us. He says, if God is for us, who could ever be against us? Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. He's sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, interceding for his kids, providing the strength that they need. He goes on, verse 35, he goes, can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that we'll no longer, he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? He says, no. Despite all this stuff, despite every storm, despite every issue of your past, he says that, that overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that there's nothing that could ever separate you from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, fears or today, worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that has been revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. That's your hope today. Paul writes it out for you. Get perspective. He died for you. He saved you from death for life. Overwhelming victory is available to you. God, I can't. You can. Go ahead. Even in the midst of the storm, I get the right perspective. I don't focus on my problem. I rise above the waves. I rise above the issues, and I focus on my God who is above all, and I go, God, I trust you. I believe in the process. I know that you're preparing me for your purpose, and you desire to use my story for your glory. That's what he desires to do. But how, how do we do that? In the midst of the storm, what do you do? I want to give you one practical thing today as we close out. And we learn this from Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. It says that Jesus got in the boat and, and they started. Him and his disciples had been ministering. They, they're healing people, all kinds of paparazzi. The crowds are there and people are showing up. Heal us, Jesus. And Jesus is tired. He's worn out. He says, let's get in the boat. Let's go across the lake gets his disciples together, they get in the boat, and Jesus, they, they immediately encounter a storm. It says, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. This was no small storm. This was a large storm. And Jesus was in the back sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They were fearful. They thought their lives were over. The storm was that bad. And Jesus is in the boat sleeping. So the disciples then woke him up, and Jesus' first words to them, why are you afraid? Uh, hello? Now that you're awake, do you see what's going on, Jesus? You've been sleeping on us. What's going on? Jesus said, you just don't have enough faith. Then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, 
and suddenly there was great calm. Then the disciples were amazed. They said, who is this man? They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him do miracles already. And then they said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? We were reading this story with our kids in their story Bible, kid Bible version. And within the, the way that they described it, I, I, I viewed this, I've read this story many times, but I, I saw it from a different vantage point. And see, today you may feel like Jesus is sleeping on you. That he's somewhere, you know he's there, but he's not doing anything. But you see, Jesus knew about the storm before he got in the boat, right? He's God over all. He's over all of it. He knew that it was going to happen. He knew that he was going to use it for his purpose. He knew that he was going to use it for his glory. So he was able to rest because of the authority he knew he had. And he thought his disciples had begun to get it because they've seen him do all these things. And he's like, why, why aren't you guys just resting with me? Don't you realize the power that I have? And then he showed him his power. But here's what the, the story said for the same time. And it said in Jesus, in the, the kids' version, it said, And Jesus spoke to the wind and the waves. And it said, this is the first thing, so cool. It said, And they recognized his voice. Because it was the same voice that spoke them into existence. And it said they recognized his voice and they obeyed him. You see, the problem is, is when we get in storms, we start talking to our storms, right? Things like this, why is this happening to me? The storm's in our face, why am I going through this? Why is God allowing this, right? Why is God sleeping on me? And we begin to talk to our storms instead of talking to the one who can actually do something about your storm. You can shout at your storm all you want, but it doesn't know your voice. It doesn't have to listen to you, but it has to listen to the one who created it. And it said that Jesus didn't shout, it just said he spoke to the storm. He rebuked them. He didn't have to scream, he didn't have to shout. He's the storm whisperer. I created you, waves, stop. And they stopped and they said the disciples were like, so what do you do when you're in a storm? Psalm 145, 18, David, who went through storms that you and I can't even imagine, he said, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. So today I wanna to encourage you, don't speak to your storm. Don't question God. Don't say, God, why is this happening to me? Get perspective. Lean into him. Experience the power that he can give you. You call out to Jesus. You call out to Jesus. You give him praise. You worship him. And you allow him to handle what he can handle. You can't handle your storm. God, I can't. You can. So Lord, go ahead. You call out to Jesus. He has the power to save you. Paul says you can be confident in the hope of Jesus. He's your salvation. He will show up. He will save you. He has the power to do you. So how do we do that? David 
teaches us that we worship our way out of storms. That's what we do. Paul, when he was in prison with Silas, they began to praise God. And God shook the jail. He broke down the walls and set them free. You see, worship is our warfare when we get into storms. It's our warfare. It's what we do. It's we're in war. We got an issue. Well, it's, it's your weapon. Worship is the weapon of choice when we enter into difficult situations. Worry, it's what we do when we get in storms. We worry. Listen, worry and worship cannot coexist at the same time in your mind. It's impossible. So we don't worry. We put it behind us. Paul says, you don't worry, you pray. In all things you pray. In all things you worship. And so we allow worship to get into our mind. Even when we don't feel it. Even when the waves are, are high and we sense them crashing in. We worship. We press in. We don't speak to our storm. We worship the one who can silence the storm. You can shout all you want. But why don't we just worship the one who can actually do something? And today I just want to challenge you with that. Worship is our weapon during war. It puts you in a position to see God's power, to experience his presence And so you call on the name that is mighty to save. You call on the name who is above all things, who has the authority to even speak to wind and waves. And they listen and obey him. Would you stand with me today? I want to encourage you with that. Will you call on the name of Jesus today? We're not going to speak to our storm. Some of you right now, you're, again, you're either in one, coming out of one, or heading into one. That's life. That's the world we live in. And so today, you have a choice. You can just hold back, push God away, ask why, question why you're going through what you're going through, question why, or you can get perspective. Understand he's a God of process, preparing something in you. And realize that his presence is there anytime, anywhere, even on a cardio machine at the gym. If you will just give him permission, he'll show up. He'll calm the storm. I got such peace in that moment. It was so weird. I got off the thing. I started lifting weights, and I was just like worshiping still. Like my heart was relieved. The weight was gone. That is available to you anytime, anywhere. So instead of pushing God away, today will you pull in? Will you lean hard into him and worship your way out of whatever situation you're in? Today we're going to sing a song that just calls on the name of Jesus. It says, you make darkness tremble. Lord Jesus, your name is mighty, it's powerful to save. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for who you are, for your presence, for your Holy Spirit that's within us. Today we tap into that power. God, we acknowledge that you're in control, that you're sovereign. God, we seek you. We seek your perspective. God, give us that clarity. Give us that vantage point this morning. And God, in the middle of our storm, God, we will worship you. We will praise you, God, knowing with full confidence that our hope in you will never disappoint us. So we worship our way out. We worship until we see you move. So, Lord, today, show up, move, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.